about a year and a half ago, Jen was speaking at a conference in New Mexico, and there were their college students, there were leaders of college ministries from all over the place who were there, and she was sharing kind of, I don't know exactly, I'll make it up, you were sharing about our church and the journey we were on and the kind of things that we were doing, it, she was really doing that. And uh, afterwards, this guy walks up to her, 20-some-odd-year-old guy who's a missionary from Guam, walks up and says, I want to do what you're doing. I want to be a part of what you're doing. Can I move to Austin and join you guys? And it was funny, we get a, we actually, we, we hear that a lot, and not everybody does that, believe it or not. Uh, not everyone actually moves or does, makes that step or whatever, but a couple weeks later, this guy emails me and says, I'm serious, what do we need to talk about in doing this? I'm like, dude, you're in Guam, you're doing missions, what in the world? And, and um, we began to continue to make that conversation, and then Austin Evers, who a lot of you guys know, uh, has been here now for about nine months, eight months or so, moved here has been working with us, has been working heavily in some of the projects with Blackland Community and oversees a lot of our Serve Austin Sunday projects. He's working full-time now with Habitat for, for Humanity. And him and his new bride of 100 days, is that what you said? Almost 100 days, Lily Beth, right here, uh, are leading a restored community, more centralized, uh, focusing kind of on young adults of, of the city, just figuring out what it means to be a missionary in that in that context, and so they've been here pouring into uh, ANC and to us. And I just asked him to come share uh, this morning uh, l- a little bit about his journey and and what he's learned and what he's learned and what he can. I just want you to know him; he's a good dude. And so, anyways, why don't you give it up for Austin? Let him come up and share a little bit this morning. I feel like we should hug or something. I guess it's not. <laughs> um, one of the things about uh, kind of talking with Jen, that first conversation, it kind of went like that too. Except I was like, hey, I just want you to know I'm coming <laughs> to your church. I should work with college students with you. Ha, 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 ha. She said, okay. And I was like, uh, yeah, I'm not kidding. And she's like, me neither. So it worked out. Um, but one of the things that, that kind of what she had talked about and what uh, I've seen um, – ANC do and kind of what ANC's heartbeat is and kind of some things in my life are these, we see a lot of these little shifts in our life, like very subtle things sometimes. You know, you're going along your journey, you're living life the way you want, kind of the happy, easy way, and then all of a sudden these little things happen, these subtle little moments that kind of move you in a different direction. And then some of those moments are less subtle. They're like very serious, redirecting type of events. Um, and this is kind of what I mean. Uh, I have been married for almost 100 days. Yes. She, she went. She's great, by the way. Like, marriage is a winner. For all of you that are w- just wondering, it wins. So, but we've been married for almost 100 days. But yes, like this last week, we had a very subtle shift happen. Um, I was, I, I, I like to think I'm kind of funny, uh, especially with her. She laughs at everything that I kind of say. I don't know if it's because she's like, ha, ah, just please stop or what it is. I'm so embarrassed, I'm laughing, ha, 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 whatever. But she's a big laugher at things I do, so it makes me feel so funny and cool, you know, right? When a really beautiful girl laughs at your jokes, you're just like, man, I'm a champ. So I'm doing this go-to funny thing that I do almost every day, until now, but almost every day, there's this one go-to funny thing that I have that I just go, you know, I want to feel cool and funny before we go to bed, so I do this thing. And so she's brushing her teeth. We're doing our night routine. She's brushing her teeth. And I go in, and I'm not going to do it for you because it's ridiculous. But it involves my hands being up like this. And 
So I'm doing this stupid voice, and I'm being really funny, right? And so I'm doing this thing, and she keeps brushing her teeth. And I was like, hmm, why is this? I should do this louder, you know? So I start doing it louder, and I start moving more with this event that's happening. And I see her glance in the mirror, and she saw me doing this. And I was like, maybe her contacts are out already. I'll do it bigger. So I'm doing this obnoxious, funny thing, and then the fear hits me, right? A subtle shift begins to happen. And I get this intense worry that what I fear is being actualized. And, and so I stop, and she keeps brushing her teeth. And I was like, is, is everything all right? You know, what's happening? And no joke, she spits and looks back up in the mirror, not even using energy to turn to me and says, you're just not funny. This just wasn't funny. I was like, what? You lie, you know? And so I like walk away sad and then come back and try something else that didn't work either. But anyway, subtle shift in our marriage just happened that I'm, that turns out I'm not that funny. So I'm having to learn new things. But you know, time seriously happens where little things along the way can be small or be monumental and they kind of alter us from then on, you know? And some of those things have, you know, as, as Brandon talked to me about, uh, talking today, have, have kind of led me here. And I think a lot of them are the same as some of you. And I just want us to connect a little bit and, and notice that certain shifts will lead us a, as we're going. And we're going to look at two of them. So I want to look at Genesis 12, if you have your Bible, and Isaiah 58. I'm talking about two subtle, or not so subtle, actually, shifts that can happen in our lives and change us for good. Um, this, this first passage is talking about a name Abraham, before his name is Abraham. Uh, kind of let you get there-ish. This is what it says. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. Now, a lot of us hear that. And it's, it's one of these things we kind of dream for God to say that to us, right? To kind of give us a direction. And to say, you, you know, fill in the blank. You, Austin. You, Brandon. You, Trey. I, I have something distinctly for you. For you. And so I want you to go and leave. I want to bless you. And we all kind of want that, right? We, we grow up wanting God's blessing, even if we don't know to call it God's blessing. We want blessing of some kind to just overwhelm our life, right? We want the right career for us. We want a purpose. We want a beautiful spouse that understands and laughs at all of our jokes. And we want all these things, a job that's going to satisfy us. We, we want community. We want something that's blessing, blessing, blessing. And we want these things so bad, sometimes we, we, we end up wrecking those things that are wonderful in the process. Because we just are searching hard after blessing. And, and some of us, we know our lives to this point have been marred and turned. And our journey has changed directions because we're just hunting so hard for this blessing. And God wants to give it to Abraham. But, but that second part, the part we haven't read yet in this passage, is the subtle shift that I think can change our lives. I'll read the first two verses again. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. 
so that you will be a blessing. Is I want to change your life. I want to do amazing things to you, for you, all these things. But so that your life will now be an avenue of blessing for the whole world. And see, I think that shift happens from us being blessed by other people around us, blessed by the church we're with, blessed by all these things. And then, then all of a sudden, the shift happens and we say, I, actually, I, I want to be a blessing. Um, one of the ways that, that I see that a lot in my life and that I think a lot of us see in our life and kind of the heartbeat of A&C is through community. Um, a lot of us just want community so bad, Right? We want real, thick community where we can know someone well, right? We can share life with someone else. We don't want to do this thing alone, um, Lily, Beth, and I. We don't want to live our lives alone. We don't want to create the culture of our future family alone. We want to do it with other people. But sometimes what happens with that is we forget that in community, we are supposed to be a blessing to other people. And, and this is what I mean. Growing up... I, I grew up in a small East Texas Baptist church. It was great. My grandpa was a pastor. He's a great guy. He was a wonderful pastor or whatever. But for some reason, uh, in all the church cultures I was a part of, community was structured a certain way. Okay? It was structured in kind of three levels, three tiers. It was behave, believe, and then you can belong. Right? That's how community was for me. If, if I would just understand that I wasn't supposed to run in church... Right, then I would probably have a better time believing what church said, and then everyone would like me there, and they would invite my family for dinner and whatever else, you know. Right? If if your kids can just act a certain way, and you behave a certain way, good. Then you might be welcome to believe what they want to believe, and then you can belong in the kingdom with them and enjoy their company. And we see that all over the place. Some of you may have grown up in that way, and that's why you didn't like church at all when you were a kid. Some of you didn't like your neighbors because of that. Because they criticized the way you behaved. They criticized what you said or what you watched or what you listened to on the radio or how you spoke or that you love sports or whatever else. And so we, we get this kind of messed up view of community that it happens that way. And then, you know, I, I lived that way for a long time and wondered why I never felt like I was a blessing to the world. You know, in college, um, I would get to go and, and speak to a, a youth camp or a disciple now or something like that this weekend thing. And sure enough, it would be, the first preaching would be, you know, what sin is in your life that you need to get rid of, right? And then it was, then you can believe what you're supposed to believe, and then you can enjoy doing that together for your school or whatever. And it would be that way. And I never knew why. I felt kind of guilty about the way that was, you know? I felt guilty about what I was telling people. Guilty about how I treated the people that lived in my dorm, you know? The guys that were good guys but just didn't behave like I did. And obviously didn't believe like I did, and so they couldn't belong with me. And I wonder if being a blessing, really trying to be a blessing, means we flip-flop the belong. And instead of belonging being the final result, if you do certain things, what if belonging is the thing we seek when we're with, with people. What if we turn all our energy on making sure that other people belong every time they're with us? 
Maybe our blessing to people is that no matter what, no matter what you may say in our conversation that might be a little awkward, no matter what things you're a part of, no matter what your background is, spiritually or not, whatever it is, you belong when you're with us. When you're with me, we're good, we're friends. I love you regardless. What if that flipped off? And then belonging was the first thing so that people might be moved to belief. And then instead of worrying about how they behave, what if, what if we worried about who we were becoming? And what if we understood that being a blessing meant flip-flopping to belong? And this is kind of what I mean. I moved to Connecticut right after college um, to be a college pastor there. Uh, and ended up, we just planted collegiate churches because there were no churches that had college anything. So we ended up being a church for college students. Um, and so, uh, again, there's not a, there weren't a lot of Christians at the college that I worked at, and so we wanted to go help um, Katrina Aftermath in New Orleans. So we were going to take these team of people. Well, there was like three Christians on campus or something like that, and you can't get a lot of work done with three people that have never worked, these three, had never worked a day in their life, but that doesn't matter. So <laughs> I loved them. They belonged with me every time. No, but... So we opened up and we were like, anyone who wants to go to New Orleans, let's go, you know. So we had all these kids sign up, you know, from all kinds of backgrounds. And we were like, let's do this mission trip thing backwards. Let's just take anyone who will go. Let's go, you know, cure New Orleans or whatever. So we go to New Orleans and this one guy signed up. Very different belief system than me. Very different behave system than me. Uh, a guy named Nick DiMatteo. Um, so he comes to the first meeting and he's like, I have a question. He asked some question about... We're going to the French Quarter. I just need to make sure I can drink when I'm there. We were like, uh, we didn't foresee that question, but I don't know. Don't tell us. You know, whatever. It's something, the, the director said something like that. So anyway, we go to New Orleans. We make jokes the whole time. We just really hit it off, you know. We really had a good time together. He would make stupid jokes about people working with us, and of course, I would laugh at those things. Uh, we went down to the French Quarter every night. We had Cafe Du Monde and all kinds of fun, and he was just a really good guy. Then we hung out the next week. They had two weeks of spring break. So we hang out that whole next week, and we're spending time together. Another month, a month goes by. He's invited me to his parties. I'm inviting him to my house, and we're just hitting it off. I meet his family and all this stuff. And then one day, we're in Boston hanging out together, just walking the streets and stuff, um, talking about whatever, I'm sure, the Red Sox or ladies or whatever else it may be. And um, he gets really quiet and awkward for a little bit. And he's like, uh, I, need to, I need to talk to you about something. Can we step inside this coffee shop? I suppose. You can talk to me about anything. He's like, I don't want to talk about it on the street. I was like, oh, gosh. Okay. You know, like, oh. You know, so we go in, and he's like, are, are we friends? I was like, yeah, man, I guess. I like you a little, you know. He's like, no, really. I, I'm being very serious. Are we friends? Are we buddies? And it's super endearing when a 20-year-old says, are we buddies? You know. So I was like, yeah, of course, Nick. We're friends for real. I, I love you a lot, man. We're friends. And he goes, okay. Well, now that we're friends, I have a question for you. He said, I want to know why Jesus died on the cross, really. Don't feed me crap. I don't want to hear the package version. I want to know what you really think. I've heard you talk about that, but I, if we're friends, I think I should hear you tell me that story. And I said, well, okay. Do you want the short version or do you want the two-hour thing? He's like, I'd prefer the long one. I think I want to hear that. I was like, oh, all right, man. So we sat because he belonged, we were able to talk through the gospel for however many hours it took in that sitting. 
and then went to Boston again later, and then went to Providence to talk about it, and then had all these conversations about the kingdom and the gospel because the community was there. It's a beautiful thing to see belonging move towards belief. When he came to our wedding a uh, hundred days ago, gave us an awesome snorkel tour for our <laughs> wedding present, and started talking at our house about who he's becoming. Wonderful. I'm, I'm happy with who Nick DiMatteo is becoming. And I wonder, I wonder if instead of spending all our energy, we try to belong and try to be blessed by people around us and try to be blessed by our spouse and blessed by our kids and blessed by this person or our, our boss or whatever it is, what if we spent all that energy trying to be a blessing and make them belong? What if, what if we stepped into a dinner party? We made it our, our utmost goal to make sure everyone knew when they were in conversation with us, they belonged and they were it. and We loved them. What if, what if Lilibeth and I, every time someone came to our house, what if every time we made sure they knew that they belonged? So I'm telling you, when you're on the receiving end of that, it is a wonderful thing. I remember my first day here getting invited to lunch by the Momarts and making sure I belonged. Before doing wedding photos, I have the Melsas take us out and make sure they knew that, that we knew they liked us genuinely. The Dixons, the same. There's so many people in our lives that have done that. What if we spent all our energy on that? What would that look like? Subtle shift, you know? Subtle things. And then, you know, it, it, the other thing here at... It, it, ANC that you'll hear about often. Um, if you haven't heard about it yet today, you're about to. And then I'm sure you'll hear about it in a minute. Um, and you'll hear about it next week and at partner class and whatever else. It's wonderful. Is that a lot of times, uh, I don't think we, we understand sometimes who God wants us to be a blessing to. Um, I think we pick in funny ways. So let's, let's look at Isaiah 58. I didn't explain that way very well. This is what I mean. Um, I think a lot of times we pick the people that we're going to bless because they look like us, right? It's easy for Lilibeth and I to make, well, not easy. It's natural for us to hope that someone belongs with us that looks just like us and has similar jobs and similar, similar interests and likes the same foods and blah, blah, blah. You know, those, those things are easy, right? And we do that a lot. We hunt for those people that are just like us so that we don't have to work so hard, you know? We hunt for those people that, that are geared like we are. Um, and, and Jesus did it a little differently. Let me read this passage in Isaiah 58. It's verse 6 through 12 is what we'll read. Um, it just so happens before the part before I'm going to read, um, the Israelites realize that God is upset with them, vehemently angry and upset with them. And they don't understand why, because they fast all the time. He even says, you're great at fasting, which is pretty difficult, honestly. Um, you're great at fasting. You delight to know my ways. You delight to be in my presence even, he says. So they're great at the worship thing. They're great at the personal quiet time situation or whatever it seems. He says, here's the deal though. You're forgetting to bless who I'm telling you to bless. And this is what he says. Is this not the fast that I choose, in verse 6, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him 
and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer you. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, the speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire and scorch places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters don't fail. Now listen to this. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall rise up the foundations of many durations. You shall be called repairers of the breach, restorers of the streets. We look at Jesus' life, and he understood this, obviously. And so he made it his goal, not only to make sure the religious people felt loved by him, by his correction and rebuke sometimes, in fact, but he made sure the least of these knew that, that he loved them and that they belonged when they were with Jesus. And so the subtle shift that needs to happen is, is probably that we need to not only love the people that look just like us, have the same values as us, the same economic status as us, Just go love the poor. Go love the least of these. Serve them well. And, you know, we think about, we want our lives to be like God rising up the noonday sun on us, right? We want him to be our rear guard. We want him to to say that you are like a, a watered garden. You're like a spring of living. We want that joy in us. We want to live that way. He says, but you don't understand what it takes to have that. You, you don't understand that you don't have that in your life. You don't have that blessing. You, you don't understand those things because you're, you're not loving the least of these. It's if then all the way through. If you see the naked, cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Subtle shifts. Uh, around the same time that I met Nick DiMatteo, um, me and some friends got to go to South Africa for a summer. And I've told some of you probably some of this, but we go to South Africa, and our main thing to do there was just go hang out and love people at this AIDS hospice. And uh, I had never been to an AIDS hospice. In fact, it was, uh, I was ashamed that in college, first of all, I didn't know a homeless person's name at all. I didn't know anyone that, that I knew um, was sick with cancer to that point or HIV or any of those things. I I didn't know who our culture said were the least of these. I just didn't. And I wondered why I had that angst. I wondered why I had that unfulfilled kind of part of me. I didn't know what it was. Um, So we go to to South Africa and we're just supposed to hang out at this AIDS hospice. And I I don't know if you've been to a South African AIDS hospice. Um, Not the most pleasant endeavor, to say the least. Uh, The smell is just serious. I, I don't know how to describe I don't want to really describe it. So, that was the wrong call. We saw a bunch of uh, adults that weighed 80 pounds um, from this disease. Uh, I, I guess I thought before going that you would, um, you would have AIDS and you would have pneumonia because you had medicine 
you know, and you would just get pneumonia and you would quietly pass away. That is not the way it works. I just want to be the one to tell you that if you think that's the way it happens. Uh, it's awful. You get all kinds of crazy diseases that no one knows about. You have terrible pains. It's just an awful situation. Um, so we're going. It was pretty shocking, honestly, to me uh, when I walked in and was there. One of the first days I was there, uh, I met this girl named Stimbile. She was 23, uh, probably weighed about 85 pounds or something like that. And so I go in, and I don't know what to do. You know, I've never been to an AIDS hospice, so I asked the dumbest question ever. I, I walked up, and I was what's your name? Which, that was a good question. She said Stimbile. And I was like, how are you today? And as it was coming out, I was like, no, please. Oh, gosh, please come back. And so she just says, she's like, I'm doing terrible. I'm in an AIDS hospice. How are you? I was like, well, bad now. Like, now I feel terrible, you know. I'm doing awful as well. I'm so sorry. So I'm starting to, like, try to backpedal. And my translator, I look at him, I'm like, please come rescue me. So he comes over to, like, save me. And this is what he asks. He's like, do you want to get out of here? I'm like, what? That's the worst question ever. Of course. And she's like, of course I want to get out of here. And she sits up. She's getting angry. It's like, of course I want to get out of here. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this is a disaster. Why did I do this? And he's like, well, do you dream of getting out of here? And she's like, of course I want to dream of getting out of here. And he says, what's the first thing you do if you got out of here? And she relaxes and she says, oh, I'd hug my baby girl. And of course, you know, my heart's just like, brah, just ripped in half. And she shows us this picture and she talks about her daughter. It's so cute and sweet and all these things. And then, so I say, well, what's the second thing you'd do? She says, I'd eat a pizza. <laughs> and I was like, me too. <laughs> I would also eat a pizza. We have something in common now, <laughs> like trying so hard, you know. And I was like, well, what kind of pizza? She's like, so much cheese, you can't tell it's pizza. I was like, I agree with that as well. That is what I'm going to do when I leave today, you know. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my gosh, we have common ground. So we talk about ice cream. We talk about all these things. We end up, we have this great conversation, and we talk about uh, this story in Scripture where she actually comments at the end of the story. She's like, ooh, Jesus was very smart. I was like, you are right. Very smart. So, Anyway, we, I'm about to leave, and she says, don't you forget to come back. And I was like, no, no, I won't forget. I'll be here all summer. She's like, no, I'm not kidding. People say that all the time. Don't you forget. You better come back. And I was like, all right. So uh, like two days later, we're going back, and uh, we're walking down. I've been praying for a few days about this, but a subtle shift, or not so subtle shift, just kind of hit me in the face on the way. It was like the kingdom just kind of burst in myself and and had a, its own desire to show me. So we're walking down the street, and I was like, oh, my gosh. My friend Mark, I was like, we have to go to the mall right now. And he was like, oh, okay, let's go then. We have time, you know. So we go to the mall, and we find a pizza place. And I'm just getting so excited for what's, like, about to happen, you know. So I'm like, we need some pizza. And she's like, okay, okay what kind of pizza? And I was like, so much cheese, you can't tell it's pizza. She's like, cheese pizza. Okay, cool. So she gives us these pizzas, and we basically run to this AIDS hospital. like, we're just so excited. So we get there, and we burst in Stimbile's room with these boxes. And she's like, what's in those boxes? I said, you know what's in these boxes? It's pizza. She's like, I prayed for pizza since we talked about it. And I was like, me too. (laughs) Again, we have so much in common. So I'm like, this is a pizza party. Let's let's have a pizza party. She goes, I've I've never had a pizza party before. And I was like, invite your friends. So she's like, go get them. They're in room 4D. So I run over, and we wheel these 80-pound 20-year-old girls in, and me and my buddies, and all of these AIDS hospice folks have a pizza party, and it was awesome. They put on music, and they dance, and I'm kind of like white man dancing, sort of, and 
One of them knitted, which was awkward at a party. She's like, I'm going to knit. I was like, awesome. You know? So she's knitting. We're having a pizza party. One of the girls, <laughs> the one in the wheelchair from 4D, kind of got excited and almost kind of passed out. We had to have a ner- I mean, but it was, it was a good party. And I mean, they couldn't even finish a piece of pizza. Too, too weak. But I, I'm not kidding. I have never partied like that in my life. I have never had a party that was such a blessing because me and a buddy experienced a subtle shift on the way to an AIDS hospice. I, I've been to fun parties. <laughs> Not like that. Not like that at all. I've never been to a more life-giving music and pizza event. <laughs> because Jesus isn't kidding. The Bible's not kidding. It's just if you share your bread with the hungry, it's like a dawn happens in your life. Like the sun rises and shines right on your face when it's been cold outside. Yeah, that, is, that is the truth. The last time we had an Easter grill out together as a church, I mean, it was cool getting to serve folks and getting to meet them and all that. I can't tell you how many times I was hugged by A&C people. Y'all were really loving that day. It was awesome. It was cool. But something happened to us when we served together, and it was like a light shining on our community. It was like God started to heal some of the misconceptions in us about each other even, right? When we love the least of these together, that shift is not so subtle. Man, and... What would it look like if people in Austin said that those people, you know what we like to call them? Repairers of the breach, restorers of the streets. <laughs> right? What would it look like to have random pizza parties at AIDS hospices? There, there's AIDS homes all over the city. What would it look like if, if we really knew some people that needed it and loved them like crazy. Repairs of the breach, restores of the streets. That would be, that's, that's fun community right there. When we're no longer concerned about the blessings we can receive and we're concerned about being blessing to the world. That is a good time. That's, that's a good 80 years of living. And I, I just, we just want you all to know we're so happy to be a part of that with you. Lily Beth and I feel so blessed to get to be a blessing with you. We love it. So let's, let's go all in together, right? Repairs of the breach, restores of the streets. Um, I'll pray for us.